Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Father, as we approach your word, we do so with reverence and humility, thanking you for the anointing that's upon your word and upon our ears to hear it, upon our hearts to receive and our minds to be opened. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the message of truth and demonstration of your spirit and power, that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men or in human philosophy, but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. You know, coming together on these Wednesday evening services, it's been our desire to become more accurately acquainted with the Holy Ghost, to become better acquainted with the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can flow with the move of God, and learn to channel the power of God properly and more accurately. Not only in our individual lives, but also as a corporate body. Well, we begin by praying about it, waiting upon the Lord. But I want you to remember something this evening. That's how it starts. But when you ask for certain things, such as what we've asked for, you're really asking for knowledge, understanding. And wisdom. That's the truth. That's what you're asking for. And when you get knowledge, when you get understanding, when you get wisdom, you are responsible. You are responsible to use that knowledge. You are responsible to use your understanding. You are responsible to use the wisdom of God. We have to be responsible or God's not going to give us any more. And the more we receive, the more we're responsible to walk in. The more we attain to, the more we obtain in our individual lives, the more we are responsible to walk in. In other words, we have to utilize what we have so that God can give us more. Then we utilize that and God gives us more so that we increase in the knowledge of God. But I want to reemphasize that we're asking for knowledge. We're asking for understanding. We're asking for wisdom. And that's why if for this particular service and maybe who knows in the few to come, we're going to once again stress the teaching of God's Word in this particular area. Notice in verse 8 he says, You shall receive power when. When does the believer receive power? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon him or her. Power. Authority. Ability. Power. See, there's two areas of development in the believer's life. The first area is developing in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit within the believer. The second area 
is to develop in this area of power. Power is for service. Fruit is for holiness. God wants us to be holy, but He also wants us to be full of power. Fruit is received when the individual is born again. The life and the nature of God is imparted to that person's spirit, and that person then has the fruit of the spirit. The recreated human spirit has love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. All that has been given to the believer within for the purpose of what? Holiness. God wants us to be holy, and it's a matter of development. We have to develop in this area of holiness by developing the fruit of the Spirit. When is the power received? When the person is Spirit-filled. When that person is Spirit-filled, he receives power. That also is an area of development. It's also a progressive thing. Power, just like the fruit of the Spirit. These are two areas of the Spirit with which we need to be familiar if we are going to grow and develop and if we are going to channel the power of God properly and accurately in our lives and through our lives. And for the most part, what we're going to find out is God expects us to use the power on ourselves. His ability on ourselves. Before we get to that, let me just say this. The evidence of the fruit of the Spirit or the evidence of the new birth is found in 1 John 3.14. You don't have to turn to it. But the evidence of being born again and receiving the life of the nature of God into our spirit is what? Love. That's the evidence. There is an evidence. We know that we pass out of death into life because we love. That's the reason why we know. We know that we're born again because we have love for the brethren. The overwhelming love of God that's been diffused abroad in our hearts, shed abroad by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, enables us to love as He loved. And because this love is so overwhelming in your life, you know that you've been born again, born out of death in the life. There is an evidence. And let's never forget that. But what about this other area, the area of power? There also is an evidence. Chapter 2 of Acts gives us the evidence. The evidence of receiving or being filled with the Spirit is the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I don't want you to forget these two thoughts. Love is the evidence of the new birth and love must be developed in the life of the believer if he is going to grow in this area of holiness. Tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. It is the evidence that you have power. Power is not a feeling. Power is something that we have because God's Word says we have it. And we have to believe God's Word. What did Jesus say you'd receive when the Holy Ghost comes on you? Power. That's what He said. So I believe that Jesus did not lie. And I believe that if we've been Spirit-filled, we have power. What is the evidence? Verse 1. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus spoke of. And what was the evidence? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I know you'll find a lot of argument when it comes to this in Christendom. But I don't have time this evening to go in to prove, and I don't believe I have to in this assembly, that tongues is the evidence that one has been filled with the Spirit. Tongues is the evidence. And if you have not spoken with other tongues, then I would not be satisfied that I'm filled with the Spirit. So never forget that. Don't be satisfied that you're Spirit-filled, that you're filled with the Spirit unless you have spoken with other tongues. I'll give you one more scripture and then we'll go from there. Acts chapter 10. Verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, in verse 45, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues. How did Peter and all the other ones know that they were spirit-filled? For they heard them speak with other tongues. That's how they knew. Consequently, tongues is the evidence that one has been Filled with the Spirit and that He has received power from on high. Well, did you know that you can be holy and not have power? And did you know that you can have power and not be holy? It's a matter of development. You develop in the area of the fruit of the Spirit, you'll be holy. But you will lack spiritual power if you've not been Spirit-filled and speak with other tongues. You've been Spirit-filled and you speak with other tongues, you have power. But because you are ignoring the fruit of the Spirit, mainly love, because you're not practicing love daily, walking in love, you're not developing in that area, and you lack holiness. So it's possible to be holy and lack power, and it's possible to be powerful and lack holiness, but God would have us to combine the two and be one who has developed both in holiness and in power. But it's important, we're talking about, it's important to understand that we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer so that we can channel the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives properly and more accurately. And that's why we have to understand these two areas. God wants us to develop within holiness and also to develop in the area of power for service. And that goes for every child of God. Whether or not they ever believe that they need to speak with other tongues, it will be forever written and forever will it remain upon the Word of God, upon the lips of our Savior who said, if they believe on me, they shall speak with new tongues. That's His commission to us and those are His instructions. Well... Let me just say that I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 while I'm saying this. Look at verse 2. Let's just say that both developing in the area of holiness and developing in the area of power is a daily process and a progressive thing. 
a daily process and a progressive thing. For example, you take, you take your flesh. How many of you controlled your flesh yesterday? Uh, none of you. <laughs> How many of you got to a point in your Christian walk that you had anger under control? Then something happened about a month later that showed you it wasn't un as much under control as you thought you had it under control. Huh? How many of you have ever had your tongue under control? Then you found out about a month later that it was longer than you thought. How many of you had uh, jealousy under control? And pride under control at one time. And you were just so excited about it. You came back from a three-day trip up in the mountains where you didn't visit anybody, saw nobody but trees and, and animals. Looking up unto the Lord and said, Boy, I'm sanctified. I haven't talked to anybody. I haven't cursed at anybody. I haven't cussed at anybody. I haven't said anything to anybody. I haven't criticized anybody. I haven't done anything but listen to the birds sing. I am so sanctified. I am so holy. And then you came back home. And it didn't take but one hour to prove that you were not as sanctified as you thought you were. It didn't take but one hour to find out you're not as holy as you thought you were. Let's remember this. This is a daily process. This is not something that you achieve one day and say, I'm now thoroughly sanctified, and then tomorrow you don't have to deal with the flesh. Forget it. As long as you're in it, there's only one way you can stop from dealing with the flesh, and that's to go to heaven. That's it. We're not to be deceived. We're not to think that we finally arrived to a certain place in spiritual living. And we don't have to do anything more about maintaining our walk of holiness. There are some of us here today, we thought we had to love walk pretty well at hand. We really believe we're walking in love. Oh, I'll tell you what, we're walking in love. You talk about love, we're walking in it. Just walking in love every day, just loving it. Then little by little, things begin to happen. Little by little, circumstances begin to change. And before you know it, you find yourself criticizing people, talking about other people, sowing discord among the brethren, talking about the faults and failures of others. You find yourself doing all kinds of things that do not reflect love. God's love, divine love. You find yourself with fault in your heart. You find yourself having problems with your mate or your children. You find yourself becoming irritable and so on and so forth. What's the problem? As I said earlier, the problem is we come to the land, some never, never enter in. It's too hard. I don't want it. Others come to the land, enter in by possessing that land, begin to dwell in it for a while, and have a problem with maintenance, maintaining that level of holiness, maintaining that level of power. This is the area, my brother and sister, that we have to be concerned about. Maintenance. Maintaining our walk of holiness by maintaining the walk of love. And maintaining the power of God in our lives every day. Yesterday you blew a mountain apart. You said, get out of my way. You said, get cast into the sea. And that mountain obeyed you. 
So you began to sit back and relax. My faith works. Glory to God. My faith works. Hallelujah. But you know what? Your adversary doesn't quit. There's no time to sit back and take it easy and kick off our shoes and think, my faith is perfected now. I blew that mountain apart so easy. I know how faith works now. So you slack off. There's no room for that. Because each and every day that you live, you have to live by faith. Each and every day that you live, you have to have power. Each and every day that you live, you have to have holiness. As far as God's concerned, as far as we should be concerned, and as far as the devil's concerned. If he sees us walking out of love, he says, now I've got a license to touch you. If he sees you neglecting your input of faith, putting with inside yourself the word constantly, he says, now's the time to attack. And right when you thought you were just spiritually high and right when you thought you had it all together, something comes and knocks your head right on down to the ground. And you say, what is the problem? What am I doing wrong? I know all the right confessions. I know all the right scriptures. I know the right things to say. I know what to do. What is the problem? The problem is one of maintenance. Maintaining a holy, spirit-filled life full of love and power. Full of love and power. On a daily basis. Every day. Yesterday is gone. We can't, can't live on yesterday's faith. We need faith for today. Yesterday is gone. We can't live on yesterday's love. We need love today. We're going to need it tomorrow. We're going to need it the next day. Just like food. You've got to eat it every day. You've got to maintain your bodily health. and That means you've got to feed it every single day. Well, what I want us to do is to stop just for a minute and think before I read this scripture. If you have to do the same thing in the area of holiness... If you have to feed yourself on the love of God every day, if you have to maintain a walk of holiness every day, doesn't it stand to reason that we have to also maintain power in our lives every day? The area of full gospel ministry, especially Pentecostalism and, as we know it, charismatic movement, too many of the times individuals put the emphasis on the fact that I have been spirit-filled and I have spoken with other tongues. Well, that's true. But that doesn't mean just because you have been Spirit-filled and you did speak with other tongues that you're going to maintain a Spirit-filled life every single day full of faith and power. Maintaining a a Spirit-filled life full of faith and power involves certain spiritual exercises. And unless we are involved in exercising ourselves spiritually... Every day, we will not maintain a spirit-filled life full of faith and power even though we are spirit-filled people. And that's why we have to understand in channeling the power of God, using the power of God, purposing the power of God properly in our lives starts with ourselves. It starts within. This is a daily process. This is a progressive thing. Daily, we must maintain a charge in our lives. Just like a battery. As I said before, 
if that battery has been charged up and you begin to use it and you just keep drawing off of that power, that energy that's created there and don't maintain a charge on it, eventually it'll run down. Eventually, it won't have anything to put out anymore. And eventually, you'll have to take that battery somewhere to get it charged up once again. But as you know, you know as well as I do that it's designed so that that battery maintains a constant charge in our automobile. So that it's not only putting out, but it's also receiving. And what did Jesus say in Acts 1? You shall receive what? Power. For service. You do service for God. You put out. You put out. You put out. You put out. But what he's saying is, you have to put in before you can put out. You have to put in before you can put out. Power comes by the Spirit. Not one time. Not a one time experience that I spoke with other tongues. But power must be continually being put into our lives, into our spirit. We must constantly maintain a spirit-filled life full of faith and power. How? By charging ourselves up. And too often, this is what we neglect to do. Charge ourselves up. Build ourselves up so that we are full of power. This is the secret to maintaining a spirit-filled life full of faith and power. Right here in verse 2 and 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 4. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries, or divine secrets. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, in verse 4, edifieth himself, or builds himself up, or charges himself up. And we found out that in Jude 20, Jude chapter 1, verse 20, that it's building ourselves up or charging ourselves up on our most holy faith. Speaking with other tongues helps us maintain a spirit-filled life full of faith and power. Charging ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And what I've seen in Pentecostal circles is that we have misused the power of God, we've channeled it improperly. Many have. Especially in services. Many will just use the manifestations of the Spirit when they gather together in a public meeting or in a public assembly. There'll be those that that don't even practice praying in the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues and their private devotions and private prayer life, but are very quick to come and give a message in other tongues as soon as they come in public assembly. And that represents a misuse of the power of God. The primary purpose, the primary use of other tongues, speaking with other tongues, primary use is a means of supernatural communication with God the Father as verse 2 says, speaking divine secrets. And number two, to build up, to charge up, to edify yourself. Actually, I want to read verse 20 also, or quote verse 20 of, of Jude, 
Jude's only chapter, verses 20 and 21. Charging yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And the next verse says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Notice, love, holiness, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And notice, power for service. Building yourselves up, charging yourselves up on your most holy faith. In other words, if we want to maintain a good, strong charge spiritually, then we must constantly be building ourselves up by praying in the Holy Ghost or by speaking with other tongues in our own devotions, our own individual prayer lives. Look at verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. In the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says that my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. In other words, the Holy Spirit, in my spirit, I am praying, I'm activating the power, the ministry of the Holy Spirit within my spirit, within my life, to maintain a charge of power within me so that I have something to put out. In other words, I edify myself, I build up myself so that as I am built up, so as I am edified, I can then put out to edify you, to build you up so the church can receive edification. But if I don't build myself up, if I don't charge myself up, then what do I have to put out? Not a whole lot. This is not something we can do apart from the Spirit of God. So the primary use or the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer to speak with other tongues initially is so that the individual believer can maintain a life full of faith and power by spending as much time possible praying in the Holy Ghost. Now you say, I don't have a whole lot of time to do that. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5 and you'll see that you do. And the reason why we don't have enough time to do that is because we don't understand it. And because we didn't understand it, we've been praying about it so that we can understand it and so that we can be responsible to do what God would have us to do. To gain the knowledge, to gain the understanding, to gain the wisdom so that we can be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Now, whether we recognize it or not, this is going to be proven to be true. The tongue is going to be involved in both developing power in the life of the believer and it's also involved in developing holiness in the life of the believer. The tongue is going to be involved in both areas of development. Developing power in our lives and developing holiness in our lives. Here we can see by God supernaturally giving us a brand new tongue, a tongue that we can speak in, a prayer language. Now, let, let me just clarify something. I am not talking about the gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 called diversities of tongues. We're not talking about that. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost and Spirit-filled and you speak with tongues, that is not the gift of diversities of tongues. Let's never forget that. That's not the gift of diversities of tongues. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost or Spirit-filled, whichever way you want to say it, you receive a language, a prayer language. You'll begin to speak with other tongues. That is not the gift of diversities of tongues. That's a different manifestation of the Spirit. Although tongues are the same in essence, 
they are different in purpose and use. When it comes to your prayer language, you pray in this language that God has supernaturally given you. The purpose of that language, the proper use of that language, is for the believer to speak to himself and unto God, praying in the Spirit, speaking to himself, speaking unto God, praying in the Spirit, as a means of supernatural communication and self-edification. And that particular manifestation of the Spirit should be prevalent in the life of the Spirit-filled believer on a daily basis. How much power do I have today? As much as you prayed in tongues today. And if you haven't prayed in tongues today, your power level is low. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, wait a minute. You charge up your battery. You take it off the charge. How long have you had it on charge? You keep it on there longer, it'll charge up more. God's given us a way to be charged up. Do you see that? I don't understand it. I know, that's why we're talking about it. Maybe some of you do understand it. I know most don't. Just have faith in it, so they just do it. Right? How do you know that a power plant from way down over there could put, produce light in here? You figured it out yet? But I'll tell you this, electrical power, it doesn't matter what kind of power it is, have to have, have, has to have a source of power. And that source has got to be constantly be fed so it can put out. And if they stop feeding into that source of power, it will not put out so that we can have electrical power flowing. Well, then common sense will tell us that if we use the supernatural means that God has given us of edification to build up ourselves, to charge up ourselves, then the more we use it, the more charged up we're going to be. The less we use it, the less charged up we're going to be. Isn't that so? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will... Now notice this, what the will of the Lord is. How many of us have been praying... Father, we desire to be filled with the knowledge of your will. How many of you prayed that prayer? Isn't that the prayer we based this, these meetings on on Wednesday night? Our desire is to be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so we can walk worthy of you. What well, to walk worthy of him is to walk full of holiness and to walk in power, full of power. Full of faith and power and holiness. It's God's will. He said, it's my will that ye be holy. Didn't he say that? And obviously, it's his will we'd be full of power. Well, this tells us we're not to be unwise, but notice wisdom. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord? The will of the Lord is, and don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled. In the literal Greek, but be being filled with the Spirit. Why be being filled? Because yesterday you were filled, but you used that energy, you used that power yesterday. And today is a brand new day, and you need to be charged up every single day. And the more we pray in the Holy Ghost, the more we speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, then the more we maintain a Spirit-filled life, charged up life, full of power, full of faith. The less we do that, the less we're going to be charged up. How do you maintain a Spirit-filled life? By being filled with the Spirit. By speak, verse 19, by speaking to yourselves. Speaking to who? Now notice this. I said previously. How can we do this? How can we have time to pray in the Spirit constantly? Notice this expression. Speaking to who? Have you ever talked to somebody in a conversation while they were saying something to you, you were saying something inside yourself? 
Hmm? Am I different than you or what? Someone's talking to you and you're thinking about what you're going to say next? Huh? What were you doing? You're speaking to yourself. Well, that's what speaking to yourself is. Speaking to yourself. You know, you can speak to yourself and sing to yourself in other tongues without anybody ever hearing you. Speaking to yourself. Speaking to yourself. Singing to yourself. It all takes place within. Now, if you're a little bit alone, well, you can do that. If you're on the job, let's say, and there's people around you, well, you don't want to do that because they're going to think you're crazy. Out loud, that is. But while you're standing there on that job doing whatever you're doing, you know, you could be thinking. Can't you? As a matter of fact, you might be thinking about what you're going to do. Later on in the day, you might be thinking about what you're going to do next. Well, you could very easily be, be speaking to yourself. Did you know that? Certainly you can. And that's exactly what he meant by it. Why did he say over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that there's no interpreter, let him speak to himself. Let him be silent and speak to himself and to God. Well, obviously, he said you could speak to yourself sitting in the congregation of people. And if you can do that, he's not saying by you know, verbalizing it. He's saying by doing it to yourself. We can. We must get into the habit of speaking to ourselves in the spirit within ourselves. And you know that if you just practice it, you can do it. But why should I do it? The point is because that's the way to maintain a charge of the Spirit on your life. Speaking to yourselves enables us to be full of faith and full of power. Charged up, built up on our most holy faith. Full of power. Stephen was a man full of faith and power. How did he get that way? Obviously, he studied the Word, but obviously he spoke to himself and psalms and hymn spiritual songs because he was full of power. And when the Spirit comes upon you, what will happen to you? You'd be full of power. Every fresh anointing that comes upon you is the Spirit coming upon you. And when He comes upon you, you're full of power. Every time, you're full of power. Well, if praying in the Holy Ghost is a supernatural way of communicating with God the Father, and it's by the Holy Ghost who is in me that I'm communicating with Him, I'm stirring up the gift that is in me, it's quite obvious that that is God's way of keeping us full of His power. And that's why He's saying, this is my will for you to maintain a life full of power by speaking to yourself in these psalms and spiritual songs, making, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Where are you making that melody in your where are you making that melody from? Under who? You mean you can do that? Certainly you can. Now notice, that's number one. The first way of maintaining a life full of power is number one, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart, speaking and singing is number two. Number three is in verse twenty, giving thanks always. You know, this is really hard, isn't it? This is really difficult. God has put a burden upon us. I mean, to tell you, He expects us to always give thanks to Him. I'll tell you what. If you told me when I was 16 years old that I could have the biggest arms in Ohio by just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'd have done it. Because I certainly tried to do it by lifting weights. But you know what I found out about lifting weights? You got to always do it. I mean, you look at some of these weightlifters and bodybuilders that have achieved, you know, great things in the, in the development of their bodies. But you find out about five years after they're done, 
I never forget. I see when I was younger, I was, I was into that. And I saw this one fellow advertised, Mr. Universe is going to be at such and such a place. And I got excited about it. Well, I'm going to go see Mr. Universe. <laughs> you know. I got there. I was waiting for him to come. I saw this fellow up there. I said, certainly this can't be him. I mean, this fellow was just as flabby and, uh, you know, pardon the expression, but he was just plain old overweight, flabby and everything else. And I looked at him, and I noticed on the sign there it said, Mr. Universe, 1900 and so-and-so. And my first question was, what happened to you? I mean, dear Lord, I was no Mr. Universe, but I had developed a better physique than he had, and he made it. What didn't he do? Maintain. You have to maintain. No matter what it is in life that you want, you have to maintain it. And that's how we are spiritually. We get to a place of, 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 you know, of achieving certain things spiritually. And then what do we do? We slack off. Why? Because it takes work to maintain that. You get satisfied because you develop so much and then you let the weights go for a while. That's work. How about the Olympic swimmer? How about that individual that broke the, the, the record, the Olympic record? Everybody's all excited about all his achievements and the things that he has done. I mean, just excited about it in the United States of America because this individual won so many gold medals and broke so many records. That's great. Check out. Check him out about five years later when he's all done. And doesn't practice every day. And doesn't exercise every day. Do you think he'd be able to do that again? Not without putting all the effort that he possibly can into doing it. Mm-mm. you got to maintain, you got to maintain, you got to maintain, you got to maintain. Well, my brother and sister, what value does this have when it comes to natural things? You achieve so much, then you get complacent, you get tired with it, and then you stop doing it, and then you lose all of what, most of what you put into it. If there's anything we should want to maintain in life, it should be spiritual things. And if someone told me I could maintain a life of power and faith, something that will never fade, something that will never go away, just by simply saying thank you. Just by speaking to myself in Psalms and Hymns, virtual song, just by singing and making melody in my heart to the Lord, and just by saying thank you always for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for redeeming me by the blood. Thank you for for delivering me from the power of darkness. If I could that, just do that and maintain a spirit-filled life, how easy is that? How simple is that? What is involved? Your arms, your muscles, your legs, your running, your swimming ability? No! It involves one part of your body. It involves your tongue. As I said, both areas of development is going to involve this one member of our body called the tongue. It's not developing our arm muscles, our leg muscles, or any other muscle that's in our body. It's developing this one muscle. It's our tongue. You know, the tongue is by far the the strongest muscle in the human body. Certainly, it's the most exercised one. Once you say, certainly it is. But see, what are we doing with it? We could use it to create spiritual power. We could use it to create life. Or we could use it to create death. 
Speaking to yourself. Giving thanks unto yourself. And the last one, the fourth one, is in verse 21. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So number one, speaking to yourselves. Number two, singing to yourselves. Number Singing to God, rather. Number three, giving thanks always to the Father in the name of Jesus. And number four, submitting yourselves one to another. That will help us maintain a spirit-filled life every day of our lives. There are so many in this area of submission that they stop submitting. And when you stop submitting one to another in the fear of God, then what happens? Your charge is not as powerful as it once was. And that happens. Just as it happens to the swimmer, the Olympic swimmer, just as it happens to the bodybuilder, and every other area of life that involves development, the same thing happens to us spiritually because spiritually we must maintain our exercise so that we can develop in spiritual things and maintain great faith and power as believers. Now, I want you to see something else. Go to James chapter 3. When we're spirit-filled, we get a brand new tongue. Primarily to be used as a spiritual exercise. To speak to ourselves, to sing to ourselves, to communicate with God spiritually, supernaturally, to charge ourselves up, to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. This is the area of development that helps us create power. The more we use it, the more we do it, the more power we're going to have. The more we neglect to do it, the less power we're going to have in our individual life. And we need to have that power every day. Every single day. And we can't forget that. The use of tongues is not to come into this church and, pro- and speak out with other tongues. Not the primary use of tongues. There is a ministry called Diversities of Tongues, but that, let's say it like this, probably 99% of Christians that are Spirit-filled do not receive what is called Diversities of Tongues. But in Pentecostalism, we have taken the tongue that we were given at the time of our... Uh, infilling, our initial infilling, and we've taken that tongue that is the evidence of the Spirit's indwelling presence, that tongue that is supposed to be used primarily for speaking to yourself, singing, edifying yourself, speaking to God, all that, and we brought that into the church, and many very rarely exercise this gift of speaking with other tongues in their own private prayer life, but when they've come to church at a time when, when there was a move of the Spirit or at a time when things were happening in the spiritual realm, then they began to speak out with other tongues thinking that this was the proper use of that gift. And that's not it. And you can go into many churches and find that that's exactly how they operate. That's exactly how it's used. And that is not the way God designed it or purposed it. That is not the primary purpose of other tongues. This other thing is. This area of maintaining a strong charge of power in our individual lives spiritually. So that when you pray for your children, you're not praying with emptiness. You are praying with power. As a matter of fact, I suggest to every parent, if you're going to pray the prayer of faith for your child, pray in the Holy Ghost for a while. Get full of power. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. And then when you pray, instead of giving 110, give them a 220. Amen. And if you can get higher than that, get it up there. Because the more power... I don't understand it, you said. He didn't say to understand it. How many of you ladies plug your sweepers in every day? Do you understand it? I mean, you wouldn't know what to do if the fuse went out. You wouldn't know what to do if a wire broke in the wall. You just do it. You just plug it in. So God is saying, just do it. And the more you do it, the more power you're going to have. 
Sing to yourself. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll have power in your life. It'll be there. We've got to believe God's Word, not our feelings. We've got to believe that power is not something that we feel, but power is something that we have because God's Word says we have it. And this is the means whereby to maintain power in our lives. But now let's look at the other side of this. In verse, well, verse 1, James chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Now notice this. The body. The man on the outside, the flesh. Fleshly desires, sensual desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They have to be controlled every single day. You can't say, I controlled it yesterday, but not today. Because today, it'll overcome you if you allow it. Every single day, we must buffet our bodies. Paul said, I die daily. Daily, I buffet my body. Daily, I keep it under. It wants to act up, but I've got to keep it under. How do I control my body? How do I control the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh, and the pride of life? How do I control these things? James said right here, the tongue is the member that controls the whole body. Sometimes I think it'd be a whole lot easier if we could just develop a big enough muscle to control this whole body. But you can't. Because, you see, God designed and purposed that the tongue be the member of the body that controlled the whole body. And notice he says here, you want to be perfect or mature in Christ? A perfect man, a mature man? And what that means is this, that all the graces that are representative in Jesus Christ are being manifested in you, in your life. That, once again, involves holiness. It involves love. Praying in the Holy Ghost will also keep you in the what? The love of God. Notice the tool, once again. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because if you can yield this one member, this one member unto God, through praying with other tongues, if you can yield that member unto God, then it will enable you to control all other body members, according to the Scripture. And if you go on and read verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. What's a world of iniquity? The tongue. That little member? That little member. What is it? A world of iniquity. A world of sin. The tongue is a world of sin. That tongue can do what? It's a world of iniquity among our members. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. It contaminates, it poisons the whole body. Now think about this for a moment. This body is made up primarily of water. And you think about water, you think about light. But you think about that water being poisoned or contaminated, you think about death, defilement. James in this chapter goes on to say that the same fountain can't bring forth bitter and sweet water. That water is going to be fresh or it's going to be contaminated or polluted. And he's saying the tongue is going to be the member of that body that controls whether or not your life within you, your system within you, your fountain of life is either producing Good, fresh water or bitter water or poison or contaminated water. And he says the tongue is a world of iniquity. The tongue is the very thing that can cause the course of unrighteousness 
or the course of nature to be ignited inside your members, causing that water that you're made up of to be defiled, full of poison and contamination, so that it begins to affect all other body members. Jesus said, it's not that which goes into the mouth that defileth the man. He says, it's that which comes out of the mouth, this defileth the man. And he was talking about the tongue. He said, you can honor me with your heart, but your lips can be far from me. Or honor me with your lips and your heart be far from me. We could speak blessing with our lips, yet cursing from, our, from within ourselves. For out of the man proceeds forth all these other things. It's that which causes us not to be full of strength, and power, and life, and victory, and might, this tongue can cause us to be full of guilt, weakness, insecurity, inability, lack of power, lack of strength, because of what we speak, because of what we say. And he's saying here, there's two fountains. Look at verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, so that can no fountain but both yield salt water and fresh? Who's a wise man? Wisdom. A wise man and do what knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. That is, that's meaning that the, that the man of the senses has controlled your thinking. It's controlled your tongue. It's controlled your very life. It's contaminated. It's poisoned your very system. And you're full of strife, debate, envy, bitterness, criticism. And everything you see is wrong. Fault finding and all that. And so it comes out of our mouths. But yet we say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, with one breath and the other one, five minutes later. Did you see so-and-so? My goodness, oh, I'll tell you what. And then we start criticizing and judging and being judgmental and critical and all that stuff because it's not the way we want it to be. And he's saying, this ought not so to be. I've given you a brand new tongue. Can you imagine if speaking those kind of words can defile the whole body, contaminate the whole body so God will destroy that person? Can you imagine if that can happen? How much more when we speak with other tongues should we believe that the life of God is being poured out from our spirit into our soul, into our bodies to cause our bodies to be full of the life of God, charged up with the life of God, full of the strength of God. Don't understand what you're saying. Well, once again, do it by faith. If we can yield this one member, this tongue unto God and on a daily basis... Give it over unto God. Then we'll be more apt to yield all other body members unto God to do service for Him. Our eyes may want to see wrong and see evil and see pride. And we need to speak to our eyes and say, Eyes in Jesus' name, I'm not going to allow you to do it. Using our tongue to control the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh and the, flesh and the pride of life. And that's what James is saying here. I'm going to show another scripture. Look at chapter 1. In verse 26. If the tongue is a world of iniquity, controlling it enables us to control the whole body. If the tongue being yielded to the Holy Ghost enables us to control all other, other body members, then yielding our tongue to the Holy Ghost enables the life of God to flow through us because there isn't anything but the life of God that can help us control the lust of our eyes, flesh, and pride of life. 
Verse 26. Look at what it says. If any man among you. If any man among you. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue. What's the value of other tongues? To put a bridle on it. If he doesn't bridle his tongue, he will deceive his own heart and his religion is vain. You know, Jesus said, in vain they do worship me. They say one thing with their mouth. He said in one thing with their heart. In vain they worship me. And that's exactly what James is saying. I'm sure he talked to his brother Jesus about it. And Jesus confirmed it. He picked it up from Jesus. You mean all my religious service, all that I do for God is vain if I don't control my tongue precisely? It's vain. You know, you could do the greatest thing that that you could think you would ever do for Jesus in this life. And all you have to do is go brag about it to somebody. And you know what? What you just did is in vain. Did you know that? And you know, human ego wants to brag about it, doesn't it? I led so-and-so to the Lord. Oh, glory to God, ain't I good? I know God's good. You know, that word vain there means of no value. Futile. Our religion is in vain, of no value. It's futile. It's worthless. I'm holy. I don't go to the movies. I don't play cards on Friday night. I wear my dresses four inches below the knee. I don't wear makeup. I don't watch any television. And I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I'm proud of it. Your religion's in vain. Your religion is in vain. There are three sins of the tongue with which we need to be familiar. Evil speaking, vain speaking, and foolish speaking. Evil speaking is discussing the faults and the failures of others who are not present. Vain speaking is talking about yourself and what you did and what you can do. Foolish speaking is foolish jesting and always taking life so lightly. And taking your words so lightly that you're full of jokes all the time. It's not wrong to say a joke, but you're so joking that you joke about everything. And when I hear people joking about spiritual things, I tell you what, it just rubs me the wrong way. And I think too much of that enters in to Christianity today. Foolish speaking, vain speaking, evil speaking are three sins of the tongue. You know what? The Bible says that God hates the most. As a matter of fact, it says it's an abomination unto Him. Sowing discord among brethren. See, the tongue has to do with our being lovers and our being holy. 
We can say we love God with all our strength. We can say we love God as loud as we possibly can. But if you talk about your brother, you talk about your sister, you've not controlled your tongue, your religion's in vain. You spoke to God and said, I love you with all my heart. And then with your same tongue, you cursed your brother, you cursed your sister. And the Bible says this ought not so to be. And if you've not learned to control your tongue, if you've not learned to control your tongue, if you've not learned to put a bridle on the tongue, your religion is in vain. Think about this. All that we could do in the flesh, all the works that we can possibly do can be destroyed by one little member of our body, that is the tongue. And brother, it doesn't, sister, it doesn't take long when you get a group of people together to find fault and criticism. It doesn't take long at all. We can criticize everything. You can criticize by the way the preacher walks up the steps. From there to, to everything, think about anything. You know, you can do that in any, any area of life. When you're down at work, all you do is just criticize everybody and what they do around you. That is something that is spiritual whether we recognize it or not. That's why death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have to make a decision to let the Holy Ghost to control our tongue. To yield our tongue to the Holy Ghost. To yield that member of our body to the Spirit of God. And then while we're doing that, He will enable us to maintain enough power within ourselves, within our own lives. To control what we say not in other tongues, but in a natural, so that this tongue is not the member that we yield unto death, being the cause of this poison and contamination to spring up within us, to defile us. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.